0: Well, the market movers this week included, but not limited to, the barge traffic slowdown on the nation's inland waterways, the rail workers' strike, off again and getting more worrisome by the day the guys at ag plus and south whitley told me this week that rail cars they ordered in july just showed up that tells you how bad it is china came out of hibernation this week after their holiday break and bought a bunch of our soybeans we talk about that but you know demand is still a big concern we saw some of uh, the lack of demand get folded back into ending stocks in the WASTI report. Soybeans spiked this week right after the October WASDI report, but hold it, wait, and then 24 hours later, crickets. It was like the grain market looked as if there never was a report. So what happened? Coley and Kavanaugh standing by with their timely insights to let us know what happened from their perspective. And the guys are brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau, top to bottom, local to national. The Farm Bureau efforts to support farming starts at home. And it goes all the way to Washington, D.C. Your membership is what makes all that happen. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership online at itpaystobeamember.org. Well, guys, let's start with the WASDE numbers as the backdrop for today's conversation. We'll let that kind of act like a starting point for where we are currently, whether you believe USDA or not. And the surprise, obviously, in soybeans, but that's a longer story to start with. So let's start with corn. John Cavanaugh, you have been telling people for six or nine or 12 months, I've lost track about how absolutely tight corn ending stocks are. We talked about 1.4 being tight, then 1.2 was okay that's it you're effectively out i think were your words and now this was report 1.17 billion bushels even with lower production and exports cheated back into the report john
1: uh, that's exactly right. The numbers were, for the most part, plain vanilla. The yield came out to 171.9 for the U.S. average. That was uh, almost identical to the average guess. However, it was down from 172.5 in the September estimate. That's six-tenths of a bushel. That got the supply uh, enough that the ending stocks, as you just mentioned, at 1.17 billion, and that's down from the number of 1.3-something. It was back in September. 1.3 was tight. And as you mentioned, essentially, your pipeline supplies are out at 1.2 billion, 117. Ooh. Wow, is all I can <laughs> say. That's a very <laughs> bullish number. And as we know, we, we've got prices already very high on corn. We're bumping $7 a bushel on the futures. That's a stopping point so far. We've got an extraordinarily tight situation on corn, which is going to give good support to the market until we rebuild those supplies, maybe a year from now, if even then.
0: And you mentioned South American corn, still cheaper than ours, but demand has been slow to the point, to your point, about the $7 resistance. We've bumped it a couple of times, but it it just seems to just be that lock point that we're not going past the $7 until, like you say, something happens. What, on the world scene?
1: Yeah, but let's take a look at the man. Yes, the export sales weren't very good on corn. Why? Because it's coming out of South America at the moment, out of Brazil, Brazilian corn. They have ample supplies at the moment, old crop supplies. And of course, they just finished their harvest. Those supplies are, are go into the market. They cut the price to move them. So the world is uh, going to South America at the moment. China's buying corn out of South America. And frankly, the second largest export port, Paranaguá, you know, in the month of September, their exports were up 1138 percent versus Whoa. the previous month <laughs> and why is that it's because they have ample supplies and they had good strong demand so they're getting all the business now but those supplies over the next couple of months will be gone. The world's going to have to come back to the U.S. So demand the is there going to come back to the U.S. Watch out. When it does, it should be very strong.
0: Yeah. Soybean traders, David, were the proud recipients of the annual October surprise from USDA. Soybean production and yield estimates were chopped, but uh, ending stocks were unchanged. So was that about the changes in demand that they factored into the report, David?
2: Yeah. Let's look at in detail. We did see the yield. Now, that's the big issue right now from 50.5 last month to 49.8 down seven tenths of a bushel. Now, I know everybody out here is listening to me is saying, oh, come on, David, my yields that I'm getting are much better than I expected. I'd look for 50 to 55. It's coming in 65, 70, even 80 in some instances. What are you talking about? Look at the Western Corn Belt. And that, I think, is where you start to see it fall off the earth. That's why it's lower. Now, the beginning stocks, yes, were raised to 274. The number we're looking for production though is down to 4.313 billion. That's down 66. That's a sizable number, I want to admit. And also, when you look at the crush increasing, you're going to look at exports probably declining. Again, that's the problem with demand. That's what I want to talk about the most is worldwide demand affecting our prices. Now, we did see China buying a whole lot of beans and unknown this week, probably over a million metric tons. And bean meal sales were really, really strong. But the thing I did notice, though, was that the average farm price for soybeans fell from $14.35 to $14, even down $0.35. Cents. Now, you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, it is on a national basis. I'm down instead of around $62 billion, now to $61 billion because of that cut. And that's the point I think the USDA is making to us all over that are watching these markets. The demand for this stuff going forward is we're going to have to watch that very, very careful to see how our demand fares. Now, we had a really good week again, repeat this, that they did see very good export sales of meal and beans, but it's got to continue to keep these markets at these levels.
0: Well, and John, you were telling us about crush in China uh, had really picked up. Does that look like a long term thing?
1: Well, I, I think long-term it is. That's my personal opinion. But the crush margins, have, for the most part, have been good in China for the past year. Now, there's been periods when they've gotten bad. That's just normal volatility in the crush margin. But currently, the margins are very good. And the cost of soybeans in China currently is $22 a ton. The fact that their brush margins are good and the fact that the price is $22 a ton suggests that they're going to be importing more beans. And we saw that this week. And that carryover on soybeans projected at 200 Once again, it's very tight. There's just not much room for air. We've got dry weather delaying the corn planting in Argentina right now. And I switched courses on you there a little bit. But the point is, we've got to watch that weather in South America, any little blip or problem. We're starting to have one in Argentina, at least for corn.
2: Uh-oh. And we've got one in Paraná, and it's close to Paraná, too. It's too wet. They're talking about having to plant soybeans. They're getting flooding. And the problem is not in the drier areas, that's the nose, but the southernmost part, Paraná and the regions around it, are way, way too wet with flooding.
1: And See, again,
2: hate to repeat myself, we have no room for air, period, worldwide.
0: A lot of stuff has got to go right at this point, and that rarely happens. Well, that's segment one with the guys. We'll come back. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about here this morning on Midwest Tag. Cody and Kavanaugh, more with the boys coming up straight ahead.
2: Podcasts by Federated Media.